0: Welcome to the Humor and Games Podcast, an analog and video games podcast about how humor is experienced, designed, and analyzed in games. We are Scott DeYoung, Mark Laziness, and Andre Zanescu, and we'll be your guides in this six episode series. Throughout each episode, we'll break down different theories and forms of humor. We'll draw on in interviews with designers, critics, and academics as they discuss the different aspects of humor, their own lived experiences, and how their work utilizes humor in games. In this episode, we talk with Dr. Kishona Gray, an interdisciplinary media scholar whose work takes an intersectional look at technology and games.
1: Uh, For for listeners, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: Sure, I'd love to. So I am Kishona Gray. I'm an assistant professor at the University of Illinois at Chicago. I'm in the Department of Communication and Gender and Women's Studies. I I research video games, um, and that's kind of misleading. You know, I often say that, but, you know, I think it's also clear that, you know, I haven't really spent, like, the significant chunk of my, like, career, like, examining, like, you know, textually or visually, you know, like, ac- video games, right? I'm very selective, you know, in, in that. So, you know, I really, I focus more so on, like, the people that are, like, behind the games and people in front of the games, really, you know? So I think, you know, my focus is on you know how folks interact with the technology how the technology impacts them you know how you know folks who are like content creators you know how their identity like impacts like the things that they create so really like gaming i think it's more of like that that roving vehicle in the midst of like people's lives of like how like you know folks might engage with it i'm like well how do you engage with it you know how do you engage with other people using this kind of technology so it might be misleading cuz usually every time i say you know i study like video games and people are like well did you have you did you play this one obscure game that only i know you know, like like there's like this posturing of like you know making sure that like I've got my you know I've I've done my my homework and I'm like no I've never heard of that game and I will never play that game just because you want me to I'm no I'm not gonna do it like you know a lot of people always do that to me as well they're like well, f- well I want to know what you think about this game I'm like I'm not going to do this free labor for you. I'm like, you know, like, read my books and then you, you analyze and theorize it according to your own, you know, your own perspective and lenses, you know, so I'm not just gonna, you know, and and for the majority of, you know, of my gaming experiences, I play for fun, you know, like, you know, people are often, you know, wanting me to have like these big theoretical ideas around these games. I'm like, listen, I'm not thinking theoretically when I'm, when I'm shooting these folks in Call of Duty, I'm just, I'm not, you know, um, so, but I think, you know, that's, um, that's you know that's who I am you know I'm a lifelong gamer uh you know grew up with video games you know I think my I'm a I'm a I'm the Sega generation you know so I'm um you know I was born in '83 I think I you know I had like my first like the the Sega probably around like ten years old maybe um, I can't even think about when these things like came out and then I went from Sega to PlayStation one into and three, and four, I'm updating my PlayStation 4 <laughs> right now, um, you know, got Xboxes, and, you know, but very much a console gamer, I, I am a console gamer, you know, people often say I'm not a real gamer, also, and it's all these layers and levels, you know, it's just wild, you know, because I don't play, I don't do PC gaming, and I'm like, you know, my, my fingers, I never learned that, you know, I, I didn't learn that skill set, that WASD, and, you know, like, I, I'd never, the space bar, I'm like, i I didn't, I, I didn't learn that because um, I, I didn't grow up with like a computer in the house either, you know. So that's just something that just wasn't wasn't a thing that I did. So that's that's my story. Hopefully that's enough. Yeah, I didn't know what what you wanted me to say, nope. but hopefully that's that's, enough.
1: that's perfect. I heavily empathize with Sega <laughs> as the first console for me too, <laughs> awesome. and no PCs for a long time. I yeah. still can't play PC shooters for the life of me. So.
2: Right, right. It just, it doesn't make sense. It's not natural to me. It's not natural. <laughs> and, and I'm not, I'm not the one that gets into like the, you know, the battles and the wars of like, you know, who's like the the master gamer and all this stuff. That That's nonsense. You know, however you play, you know, just, just play however you play. Absolutely. Helps be.
1: Yeah. I, I'm not a big fan of any kind of gatekeeping for yeah. that stuff. So yeah. Um, but yeah. And I guess the, The subject of today's podcast is going to be a lot about humor and things that you find funny or ways that you think humor works in games. So I guess an easy way to get started is just to ask, um, what's kind of a game that comes to mind when you think about humorous games or or something that happened in the game?
2: You know... I think it's interesting that you thought that would be the easiest question to like jump into it. <laughs> like, it's the hardest, actually. Like, it's a hard. Like, I was sitting here, you know, I had to even like, you know, like call on my partner to kind of like en- enlist his help of like, like what what's a humorous game, you know? So I think I can't I can't start there. We, maybe we will eventually get there at some point in this conversation. But I really had to think. I'm like, you know, what do I even find like? humorous right and then I had yep. to start thinking about like the terms okay okay how, how am I measuring like humor right so is it something about the game that that draws me to like laughter or is it something that like brings joy because I even think joy and humor you know maybe like on the same plane and under the same umbrella but are two totally different things as well you know um so I really had to think about like whenever I'm playing the game whenever I'm just like laughing and having like so much fun you know what is happening in that game like for instance um, because I think, and I don't want to conflate like questions either, but if, if you can just, you know, let, uh, maybe let, I, I, if we need to stick to the script, that's fine, but no, no, not at all. Okay. So, but as I was, as I was thinking it, I really thought about like the, uh, when I was thinking about like humor and games, I was really thinking about like the disconnect, the cultural disconnect that a lot of populations have like with humor. Right. So if we, you know, if we just look specifically between like black and white, there are, I meaning black people, white people, black. Black culture, white culture, there are, these are, there are parallel universes, right? That are like different ways of like engaging with comedy and humor. And you know, what one group of folks find funny is not the same as like what other folks like find funny, right? I remember seeing like a thread. So I'm just talking about the realm of genre. I'm going to bring it back home. I'm going to bring it back to games in a second. But I think it's really important, you know, that we talk about just how like distinct these worlds are. I was talking to somebody the other day, and we, we was asking them, like, like, okay, who are your favorite comedians, right? None yeah. of those folks were black. And when we asked this person, I'm like, "Okay, what do you know? um, Like Chris Rock?" They said, "Oh, I've heard of him. I've never seen his comedy." What about Richard Pryor? Oh, I've heard of him. I've never seen his comedy. Like we were naming like all these black people, people who we think are like, you know, the folks, the foundational people like in comedy, and they had no idea who they were. Like this person said, "I like Dane Cook." I'm like, "Dane Cook? What?" I like Jerry Seinfeld. Jerry Seinfeld, you know. And, And like those are not folks that I ever like they don't compute in my mind as like, you know, folks who are like, you know, paving the way like in gaming, you know, but then I had to realize I'm like, okay, these are these are cultural distinctions here, right? Because we all then have like our different pathways into like comedy and like humor and what we what we find funny. And so, you know, that's just getting me to like the point that, you know, whenever I'm thinking about, whenever I'm thinking about, you know, something that's like humorous and funny, it's. It might seem heavy for the rest of the world, but for black people, because it's like so normal, like it's something that we have to laugh at. I'm really thinking about, there was, there was this amazing book um, that I read Laughing Mad by Bambi, Bambi Haggins. Um, she's an amazing scholar. You know, she does like a, a, a she does comedy. Um, so let me see the um, Laughing Mad, the black comic persona in post-Soul America. So, but you know, her book was really just a way to, 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 cause, cause a lot of, like black folks, like we take our entertainment outlets seriously, right? These entertainment outlets have been so central to like how we've dealt with like, you know, like um like collective trauma. Uh they're part of like our collective memory, you know, they're a part of how we how we heal and deal with situations, you know. I'm thinking about Petey Green, for instance. Like during like the riots of like the um was like like in the sixties, like the riots like in the sixties, you know, or or something that was happening like the seventies. It was like Petey Green, like just a funny Guy that basically used humor to calm black people down and to say, "Hey, okay, yes, this is happening, but black folks, we gotta stay calm. We gotta like looting, rioting, all that was happening." And it was like this comedian, right? So, and I think that that there's there's no way to like to um, untangle like just how the the cathartic healing nature of like comedy and humor, like for black people, like that that's one of the the ways that we communicate. And I think that's also something that's, like, very important, whereas, like, somebody might be like, okay, their comedy is, like, part of their job, and they're just, like, um, you know, they build they build up their set, and they build up, you know, like, all these things. But that might be distinct, like, from who they are, right? Yeah. I'm I'm thinking about um, – uh we were watching um dave little dicky he has like a show right and he was talking about like his rap persona was totally different from like who he was black folks are not able to like untangle like these things from like like who they actually are which is why you know whenever we hear like comedian speaking it's so real and so visceral you know it, it like lets us know like who they actually are and what their values and ideologies are right so like dave chappelle like a person who's you know he's got some you know uh complex and problematic like ideologies you know when it comes to like a lot of things especially you know his homophobia his transphobia you know things like that you know but that is like who he is you know he could have easily like you know just you know untangled himself from that and just gave us like humor but a lot of black comedians are not able to do that or they choose like not to do that right and yeah. so, and so I'm, I'm a, I promise I'm going to bring it back to games. I just had to like, build, right. you know, like this is like what I had to go through whenever I was trying to like engage, you know, with just the first question. And to be honest, I didn't even get to the rest of the questions because I spent so much time on like, you know, the game that I found he was so sorry. Um, but, but I, I think it's, it's very important. You know, I'm also thinking about like the work of. Um, uh, Catherine Knight Steele had a really uh, fantastic article where she talked about like the, the digital barbershop and looking at how like black folks, you know, we've taken these traditional communicative like practices, we've taken them from the physical space and like taking them online, you know, so those things like included like the traditional things, you know, included like sacred texts and humor folklore and then she's saying okay we've remixed those and put those like in a digital format so what does that look like so that gets me to back to like uh gaming right so there are a lot of black folks who like participate in gaming right and you know they find you know extreme joy in it because you know it's a it's one of you know it's a a big pastime you know for like a lot of folks so i'm thinking i'm like what what keeps them there right you know and a lot of the content and like some of the games that we play like it's so heavy um, and so, so for instance, like the, I'm going to give you a name of a game and it's not going to be, it, you, it might get, it might make sense for you, but the only, the only game that I could think of was GTA. GTA would be the game that I would say, I, I find, I would, I would define as like a humorous game, um, that we can engage in. Right. So whether, you know, people think it's like a real, you know, it's, it's, you know, close to real life or it's like satire and it's like a parody of, you know, like, you know, the black experience in, in, the, in America, um, You know, that, that, that could be the case. But the thing that I think makes it so funny, like for black people, is that it, it, it really, it took like this look at like just the everydayness of what it means to be like black and it like, just like sensationalized it. Right. So for instance, engagements with the police, think about how thirsty see the police are like when the black character comes around right there immediately on him. Whereas like when you're playing like, you know, like the white character, you know, they're not as aggressive. Now some people will be like, Oh my gosh, this is so awful. Oh my gosh. We have to like address this. Black people laughed at that. We laughed. This is like, this is true. This is true. Maybe somebody else will like finally see like the things that, that like we're, we've experienced, like the things that we're talking about. Right. Um, and I also think that you know, so for instance, you know the black character, you know when we engage him, you know he still lives in the hood. He lives in like in the ghetto, and he lives in like a very like a shanty town, right? Now, granted, any any other other per- person who's like looking at this, like would be like, oh my gosh, the poor condition of these black folks. Oh my gosh, they live like this. Oh my gosh, what do we need to do to help? Black folks are laughing because we're like, ah, oh, that's hilarious. That looks like the bodega right there. That looks, that's, that's my granny house right there. Like, like we're like laughing because, you know, here it is, you know, our actual life. That's just being like try, trying to, you know, people are trying to make like these lives like legible to like, like these folks. Right. And yeah. like recognizing that they would never be able to capture the holistic nature. still just like superficial, like surface level. Right. So we have to laugh at it because it's kind of like that. I think, I think some comedian, it might've been Kevin Hart. They had that like, like laugh in my pain. I think that was the name of like one of his, one of his shows that, um, I think were maybe where he sold out like Madison Square Garden. I'm not sure, but, but laughing my pain, like that's, that's like the thing that I could think about whenever I think about, uh, humor in games, you know, because as me, as a black person, as a black woman, you know, I can't, when I go to the game, I don't turn myself off. I can't do that. You know, and I know that was there was like a time where like, you know, like the, the tech utopia world and, you know, like the cyber feminist world, and you know, the Sadie Plant, and Donna Haraway world. They're like, oh, we can go online and we can be whoever we want. No, 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 we can't. No, no, we can't. We, we can't. And we don't want to we don't want to, black people do not want to just like take off who they are. We don't want to take off our blackness. I don't want to take off my womanhood. I don't want to take off those kinds of things. Cause this is who I am. Um, and so I know some people can't go to the game and they can, you know, they can adopt this other persona. They can become, you know, whoever they want to be in, in, in this other world, but not all, all of us can, and not all of us like want to, right. So I'm engaging with the games as, as, as a person, like, like how I engage in the games, is like how I engage like in, in like the real world, you know? Um, so the, only thing I can turn off. I can just turn off that analytical lens of where I'm not constantly over analyzing content, but I can't, I can't turn off, you know, being like a black woman when I'm playing the games. I'm going to shut up and I'm going to let you talk. My bad.
1: No, this is fine. I mean, I I hear myself enough. This is like, I've just been nodding (laughs) for a while. Um, but this is super interesting because I mean, because of the way that I think the games industry is structured and the academia is structured we've had a lot of respondents who have been men or who have been white or some intersection of both, and I don't think we've ever talked about this idea that you have to, like, that it's expected that you shut yourself off. Uh, Like, it's... Some of them have talked about, like, party games, but it's been so um, like, focused on the game as opposed to the people playing in uh, and the, like, the embodied experience of it, which...
2: I'm not even shocked at yeah. that. The, yeah. The, 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 yeah,
1: go ahead. Uh, I I mean, I suppose that's like e- evidently a, a lot of uh privilege to not have to deal with that or to not be confronted by that in the media that we consume. Mm-hmm. Um, or watching Seinfeld like my dad. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> so, of course. Of course.
2: So give uh, me some so give me some examples of what people have like consider like humorous games.
1: Well, I think it varies a lot. And um, so we talked to some folks from Australia and they talked a lot about like uh, untitled goose game or like funny montages on YouTube of people doing like unintentionally funny things in games or like goat simulator. Um, we've had some people who are more local in Montreal talk to us about like um, ultimate chicken horse or like fall guys. And, um, And I think the closest we ever got to like a very embodied experience is when we started interviewing um, people who are not white, cis, uh, hetero men who really did start talking to us about like humor, humor that's based on embodied experience or like the disconnect between being women in online spaces or kind of wanting to have empathy in the game. And so like some games are... Much more, I think about like being wholesome or being supportive. Mm-hmm. So you got these very answers, but yours are your own. And they're, I mean, yeah I, I never thought about GTA in that way, but it makes absolute sense right. when we talk about it this way.
2: Right. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. I want you to ask me, ask, I have an answer for you now. And <laughs> Ask me the first question again.
1: So, I guess the first question, we can go back, uh, or the second question is, yes. what is a game that comes to mind when you think about humorous or
2: funny games? Goat Simulator. Was, I agree. <laughs> goat <Gold> Simulator. <laughs> listen, listen, my kids had me playing Goat Simulator. I, I was, At first, I didn't know what to make of it, right? So, you know, like, Mom, let's play Goat Simulator. So, I'm thinking, you know, we're going to be a goat, like, on a farm. Yeah, you know, we're gonna do like some cute stuff and do like that you know that you know do that that funny sound I I was never like expecting that this game would be it so if you wanted to think about but well let me tell you why you know why I also like you know think that that it's funny because it's so over the top it's so unrealistic and it's just like it's like you can't take anything serious in there like I'm bumping people I got my tongue stuck out you know a hundred feet out grabbing and licking people and you know like it's it's crazy right but there's yeah. no point or purpose to it so i also find that you know i can't i can't play it for that long because it starts to get, it gets on my nerves. Like I start to get like frustrated with it because it's like the silliest, mo- the most silliest shit I've ever done in my life, right? And then I yeah. often feel like I'm like, why am I doing this? And I could be doing like something else. Like th- that's like one of it's it's those kinds of games that like make me feel like like I'm I'm wasting my time, right? And I and and I'm like, why can't I just like engage like you know with this game like you know, like for hours as I can like any any other game. And that might be, you know, that's like part of me, like personally, maybe it could be that that me recognizing that there is like real work that needs to be done and I can't just like turn off everything and just sit here when I realized that, okay, I got to continue to do advocacy. I got to continue to help people like do, like do all this other work, you know, but some people do have the luxury of being able just to spend like all their time, like in these silly games. Like I'm even thinking about like my kids laugh, like in Roblox, you know, there's some, some games where they're just acting crazy and they're, just, they're laughing their asses off in Roblox. Right. Um, you know, b- because it's just like silly stuff happening. So I'm glad that folks like have like that a- escape, but I didn't come up into games like with that kind of, um, uh, with, with that kind of narrative, right? And and this is also I don't know if this is like a new genre of games. I was thinking about oh, just just the um, other day I was I was recalling a game that I used to play on Nintendo. Um, Wall Street Kid. Do you all know this game? Google that real quick. Wall Street. I'm gonna Kid. Google that. So Wall Street Kid was basically this game that was. Um, oh my god. So it was. It was like it was like a parody of like you know this person you know trying to get into Wall Street and like all the all the crazy things he had to do he had to get the job, he had to land the deal his stocks had to you know he had to make money like with his stocks and then he he gets the girl at the end, right? you know, and then like it's and it's a game that I think it's a game that kind of takes itself. It, it takes itself seriously, but like, but, but, but like in a funny way, you know, I, I don't know. I don't even know if it was meant to be humorous or funny. Right. So I really look at this as like a parody of like wall street, just that eighties hustle and bustle and grind of like, you know, what folks are like doing like on wall street, just to try to make it, you know, and then the, the awfulness like of this culture. So I, don't, I, I was such a, I was a young kid, but you know, I just, the other day I started spending this time, like, you know, going through it and like trying to like, like understand it and make sense of it. And I was reading some of the captions. So if you see like the playthrough, like, the, the captions are hilarious, but as a kid, I didn't understand, like, those kinds of, like, nuances to, like, understand, like, satire and sarcasm, you know, but I, I realize now, you know, so if I were to play this now, it really is just, like, a game that's making fun of, like, the people who, who subject themselves to, like, the hustle of, like, Wall Street, right? Yeah. Um. So that would be, like, another game that I would, um that I would put on, like, a humorous list, but at the time, I didn't know it was, like, I didn't know it was, like, humorous at, at all.
1: I- yeah even looking at a couple of seconds of this i don't understand how someone like an adult could not realize that this is right inherently ridiculous it, right. it's like it's like the uh, 80s uh, wall street guy from futurama from like mm. the, gets uh, gets unfrozen and just talks about sleezing his way to the top and that's it it's <laughs> yeah
2: that's it that's it oh my gosh I'm looking at it as well so I'm looking at oh the, my god oh oh look and look at that look at the um the hot stocks bulletin so even they had a, a hot stocks uh, American depressed like so even I didn't know I didn't know like <laughs> the context like of, of of those kinds of things realizing it was like really poking fun at like just the greed of like you know um like, uh, American uh, capitalism uh, you know, it's 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 fantastic. Oh, oh yes, good, good, good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah, Mark is probably having a a time.
2: I love it. Uh,
1: oh love no, it, it's so good. And I mean, I I think we're we're probably gonna be moving through the questions super free form. So really, don't feel uh, sure. Don't don't feel bad that we didn't like stick to the structure. I, it's really interesting because we kind of had to really get people to think about how humor might be political. <laughs> like we had to ask it and it's part of the questions. I think we're like, do you think that humor is political? And it's so clear in the way that you talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. It is. And it's cultural and. Absolutely. Like I, <laughs> yeah,
2: absolutely. Cause even think about, so you also, that, that's one of those things where you have to, you have to have people like define the terms, right? So when you hear people say like, you know, oh, I'm not going to engage in, in politics, what they're really saying is that they're not going to engage in like any kind of conversation around like race or any kind of conversation around like gender. That's really the extent of what people, you know, like may like define as like political or, you know, people might also think that you mean like, you know, political politics or we're not talking about the president or, you know, like the government structure. So it's not political. Like people really think that people don't realize there's a message in everything. And I think that that's one of the important lessons that I always want to like impart, like for my students, I'm like, there are even like, I, and I had them do like, even like the simple activity of thinking about what's the ideology that's like I- I- present in all these things. Like I made them do like a Mario, they, they, these students like swore to me that Mario, there's not any kind of like political intent or ideological like leaning at all. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Let me change your mind. And like immediately, you know, I was able to start to like detangle all that, you know, uh, immediately. I'm like, just the core, the core of your mission in Mario is a gendered mission. It's a, it's gendered ideologies of a man saving a woman. You know, that's, that's like, like the the core of them. Think about like the princess, the princess has, has to be safe. This princess has to the damsel in distress, and then people like get people get mad because they're like, "Oh, don't bring all those things like into these games." I'm like, "It's there already. Nobody's bringing anything in here. You just gotta open your eyes and like look to see, you know, what what's present like in the in these games, you know, already. Even even with Sonic and Robotnik, you know, Robot, I, I could tell. Easily, as a kid, that Robotnik was, like, a conversation around, like, a military-industrial complex. You know, like, you know, this is, like, saying something that, you know, when when we couple, you know, this violent, this violent tendency with, like, technology, we have some really bad outcomes, like, on our hands, right? And, like, nobody, like, really saw that. That's why I really love, like, you know, the the movie, even though I hate, like, when video games turn to movies. I, I watched seen it Sonic. Yet. You haven't seen it? Okay, I don't want to spoil
1: it. I want to see it. I, I was, like, not sure that it was... Fun, but
2: <laughs> I want you to watch. Do you, are you a fan of Jim Carrey? Eh. Oh my I, gosh! Okay, don't I, watch it. Oh my god!
1: I was a kid. I was when I was a kid. I <laughs> haven't like watched. I don't know since like the Grinch. I haven't really watched that much with him.
2: Okay, For okay, I, I forget. Okay, okay, I forget. Because how, how, how old are you? Go ahead. Speaking of what?
1: Oh, uh, well, I'm, I'm 31, so I was born in '88. But like Jim Carrey was. It was like Jim Carrey and Seinfeld for my folks.
2: Okay. So. Cause I'm guessing you didn't grow up with In Living Color. did uh, you, watch, have you ever watched In Living Color? I don't think I did. No. Do you, do you know what In Living Color is? Uh, no. Go Google it. Go Google it. I'm, I'm feeling go. bad right now. Don't feel no. bad. It's okay. That's why we're doing this. And if we're talking about humor, we gotta talk yeah. about living color. Like we we have to we have to talk about those kinds of things. Yes, fire marshal Bill.
1: <laughs> Mark is gonna make fun of me for like a week now because I I did not. It's okay. Oh, how did I not watch this?
2: It's okay. It's fantastic. You you've got time. You've got time to redeem yourself. <laughs> we still love you. We love you still.
1: <laughs> no, I think I think for my parents, really, it was like. Sure. Seinfeld, SNL, Mad TV.
2: Uh, Uh, okay. It's A weird mix. (laughs) Yeah. And that, and those things are cultural. So the people who like engaged in like, you know, Saturday night live were a totally different group of people who engaged in like in living color. And like the people who watch was it Mad TV. Like those were, those are cultural differences. Like black folks weren't watching those shows because of the exclusionary practices of those shows. Like you had to really be like a token in order to be like accepted on like Saturday Night Live or like, you know, like Mad TV. Whereas like the people who weren't accepted, you know, you know, hearing their narratives and like hearing their stories, you know, they were able to get like, they were able to go to like In Living Color. They were able to go to like Deaf Comedy Jam. They had to go like these different pathways that, or, or Comic View. I mean, even thinking about like that show, they had to go like these different pathways because it just wasn't like a lot of opportunities like for them to be able to, you know, like share their craft like to on, on like a large scale. Um, so just, yeah, just you you got to you got to know some of those things especially if we're talking about like humor like these are really like hum like, I, I, we can't untangle you know like conversations around like race you know like from from humor and, and comedy yeah. so yeah. do you yeah, we, do we
1: you really think do. that a lot of those like exclusionary practices just mapped onto the games industry when it was like taking root
2: absolutely or? oh absolutely cuz i'm even thinking about what people find funny in these games it's really like that you know, I, I call it like dude bra comedy. You know, I really think it was just like this particular brand of like white masculinity that does like just these over the top kind of like, like, like the cultural stupid even, you know what I'm saying? Like, just think about like the things that are very popular, like on YouTube and think about like these particular influencers that are like popular. They're just doing some of the silliest things. They're engaging on like the silliest pranks. And that's just not stuff that like, for the most part, black people find funny. And I think what's, what's even more like, like depressing is whenever I see like these black, you know, um, influencers and these black, you know, figures in, in these spaces adopt those same kind of practices, because those are the things that are going to get them hits and clicks and followers and likes and people with the, to subscribe, you know, hit that, hit that like button, whatever they're doing, you know, those, they, they really have to, they're catering to a, to a, a white template of, like, what, what's acceptable in those spaces, you know? So um, that I was going to do um, – um, me and some students are going to do a project on, like, you know, uh, black YouTubers and, like, people who, like, stream on there. And and I really uh, – I wish – let me find that real quick. Let me – let me – Sure. This. T- t- uh, t- t- take all the time you need. All right. I came up with, like, a framework to um, – We um, we were able to, like, classify – um, you know, black YouTubers, like, within, like, um, a particular, um, uh, not, not, not genres, but there are some characteristics to, like, you know, the black streamers that go popular, like, what, what are they doing? And one of the things is, is performativity. Like, so they are performing, they're doing these over-the-top, like, kind of, like, performances. But what they're actually even really doing, and what's more sinister, um, and, uh, well, I don't want to say sinister, but, like, it, I have to think more deeply about it, is that they're performing a particular type of blackness, too. And so yeah. in their performance it's like this um this like what kind of blackness will be acceptable to these masses. So they engage in like you know like stereotypical kind of like language, stereotypical kind of blackness. You know they're doing like a lot of things that that you know that that the template that has been deemed worthy for yeah. a white audience. You know what I'm saying? Does that does that does that make sense? No, so that it makes, makes sense absolute sense. sense. Okay. Yeah,
1: I, I mean I think we were thinking about this and we wanted to ask about you know, how live streaming or, like, sort of secondhand audiences. Like, if streamers are the audience that's playing these games or making this content, then there's, like, a second audience that's watching them, presumably, like, all the same political issues come up again when when you hit that, like, second level of audience. Yeah. Of, like, who finds what funny and performing for, for that audience. Yeah, that's...
2: Absolutely. I'd love to talk about streaming. If that's if that's possible,
1: please yes. Uh, I mean, this, when we started doing the project, we were sort of thinking like, okay, how does streaming change humor in games? Because like, yes, like it. Do- I think it does. But the question is how, based on the genres and right. the humor, that's got to be super strange. Right.
2: I don't know. Right. So I think what I've what I've seen the most is that these gaming personalities are taking their um like the the things that they're doing like in these spaces and they're like transplanting them like into like a streaming space Right. So I'm really fascinated by, for instance, by like what, what like black women are doing and how they're using their streams as like this, these uh, like digital storytelling kind of like spaces. Right. So there was this one stream in particular. And I thought, and this, this is going to sound like, like totally, it's going to sound totally weird and off the wall. So this person, she was streaming, it was the trailer. Like, so it was Assassin's Creed Freedom Cry was coming out. Right. Have you all seen this trailer? Yep. I think you
1: showed it when you gave the, the talk last year too.
2: I did. And you know, you may have heard like a part of this, you know, so this is some of the stuff that like, like made it into the book. So, um, so during that strain, you know, this person, you know, was like, you know, talking about like all the, the heartache and all the pain and all the struggle that was like present in this, in this narrative that they gave us. Right. Like, so, you know, this black woman had, you know, her black child, you know, stripped from her, you know, she was, she was chained up to this building, you know, he was sold off to slavery. And then, you know, here, you know, that kind of like, you know, um, um, you know, created in him this desire to dismantle slavery. Right. And so what this particular streamer did, like, like, and you know, she didn't make it like the content of the stream funny, funny, it was her delivery. And it was like what she then did with this content. And that was like, it, that's, and I think that's what's so powerful with Bambi Haggins' book of this laughing mad. So here we are, you know, we've got all this anger and all this sadness and all these like, mem- these collective memories of, you know, what and you know, the 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 connections that we have from like our our ancestors and our past of like trying to make sense of what it's like to like live during that time and like here and she did it with such beauty and such grace and then she was like she's like, you know what? Like let's 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 really tell this story. Let's see what's going on. You know, this his he about to go fuck all these people up. He's got you know, so she brought in like the, the, the cussing and the humor and the funniness and like made like she said you know she would be like I would have I beat my son at like so she did all these like amazing kinds of things right and so she made that and I think what, what she did was like lessen that the blow like that 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 collective trauma that you know black folks always like experience you know whenever they're watching this like heavy content and then she made it as something as like a funny entertaining experience you know and, and then she was and she was always one to said said man y'all ain't listening y'all sit y'all ass down sit y'all ass down you know so she would do things like that you know as, and I look at that as like the, the comic relief i really look at the things that black women do in some of these spaces they are the comic relief they are the ones that can help us make sense of like all this pain and like endure and engage like with all of these things right now there is like that element of like seriousness like 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 black women are gonna make you have to like engage in this content but they're also gonna do it in a way that's like gentle and that also like helps you so you don't have to like you know bear like the huge brunt of like all that 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 trauma you know and that's what I think is, like, so beautiful about, about like, black women who are streaming, whereas, like, you're going to spend your time, like, crying, but you're going to spend, like, a good chunk of your time, like, laughing as well, and you know, and I think that that's the point and that's the purpose that you have, like, like a, a it, it's complex, you know, humor and, like, laughing and joy is, like, it's so it's so complex, right? Um, And this is why, like, you see so many, um, because too often, like, you know, the Black experience is, like, rooted in, like, this Afro-pessimism, whereas we have to focus on, like, white supremacy, we have to focus on racism, we have to focus on sexism, we have to focus, like, on all these heavy themes and elements. And, like, when we think about, like, the holistic nature of, like, the Black experience, like, there's so much joy in there as well. And that's the story that doesn't often get, like, told, right? You know, because, like, whenever you, like, lay something out, oh, oh, speaking of, it makes me think about, uh, did you ever watch everybody hates Chris? Do you yeah. know the show?
1: A couple episodes.
2: <laughs> okay. Fantastic. There is a scene. So, you know, like, uh, you know, Chris is like, you know, the main character that we kind of follow and like, you know, his friend Caruso is like one of the, one of the, the, not a villain, you know, I, it's like just in traditional, you know, like, like terms, you know, you would frame him as like, as like a villain. But there's like a particular scene where, where Caruso, you know, he's like the, the redhead kid that, you know, just made Chris's life like a living hell, like all through high school. Right. But yeah. there's this one scene where Caruso was like, like, damn, Chris you made it, you went through all this stuff and you still like made it, you came out like on the other side, like nothing I could do could like bring you down or nothing that I could do could destroy you and I think that was just like such a powerful moment, you know, whereas you know, I, I'm guessing like the writers, you know or you know, or we just say, you know, just Chris's character, you know, it was just like, hey like I have to deal with like so much, you know you, you, you're, you're one individual you know, you're not going to be the one that like breaks me because I have to deal with like systems and institutions and you know, these structures of oppression, like one individual these individual slights are not are not anything. They're not disrupting my day, and yet you know Caruso has just basically like devoted his entire life to trying to bring like Chris down. You know, so I thought it was like really it was done in a very humorous way, but there's so much so much truth like to that that particular scene, um, and I think that's just like just like really really like powerful of how you know like people can like say okay, so you have to do a police brutality. Okay, now you're getting evicted from your homes. You know that you don't own anything. You don't even have any capital. You don't have any wealth. You know, but here you are. You're still laughing and enjoying your family here you are still taking care of like your communities here you are like you're how I are, that's why like people just can't understand just how like central like humor is to like like the black experience because it allows us to really like just manage and to like navigate like the pain that the world's like subjects us to so i'm gonna stop there in case you had some in case you have some questions No,
1: that, that's fantastic i mean I, I think one of the questions we had originally was about like humor as you know like resistance or i guess a coping mechanism depending on mm-hmm. on the context and i mean you you kind of nailed it on the head before we even got to it yeah um absolutely. but i i, I did want to ask you cuz i think when when mark and i started our program um one of the first texts mia had us read was uh like your ethnographic work with women on Xbox Live mm-hmm. like from uh black communities and latin communities yeah and I just want to know, do you find, like, humor also played a big role in those kinds of spaces?
2: or the? the like Absolutely. The, Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, when I think back and I read that early stuff, I, I, I don't get sad, but I often think about how much, like, I left out. Like, I left out, which is why, like, I've spent so much of my work, you know, just kind of, like, you know, talking about how, you know, l- let me unpack it a bit. So you know in that the earlier work that I did you know I talked about you know the the intersecting oppressions I talked about the the, the heaviness of racism and sexism and homophobia you know all these uh, transphobia all these things that you know these these women were experiencing like in in the gaming space but also like in their physical world And I never really talked about like, you know, despite all that, they stay in this gaming space and I never really talked about why, you know, I never really talked about, you know, how they had developed these beautiful communities of support and, and, you know, collective coping, you know, dealing with like, you know, like collective and like individual kind of like trauma and like how they, how they relied on each other, like in that space. You know, that's like the question that I often get that people are like, well, if these spaces are so bad, then why don't you just leave? Why don't you just go? I'm like, well, because that's not why we're there. Right. And so and I think that's and I'm hoping that's what I was able to do, like with intersectional tech to say, "Okay, we've got these technologies. Like, what are we doing with them? Like, we do like a lot of dope ass things like with these technology. Black and brown women do a lot of like amazing things like with these technologies. So, But some of the stories that, you know, like that got left out, like in those early days, um, you know, um, so so. One of the things that I think, you know, I I think it might be my contribution to like what to your your podcast would be um, that the humor is found in the communities. The humor is not found in the games for so many black and brown women. Right. You know, because, you know, for the most part, these games are not made for us. Right. For the most part, you know, they're playing these games and they never see uh, faces of people that look like them. Right. And if they do see themselves, let's say, for instance, let's say a game like, you know, Grand Theft Auto when they see themselves, they see themselves as, like, as sex workers, right? Which is not bad. You know, a lot of the women, like, engage with the sex workers. A lot of the women, of course, were intentional about not not creating, like, additional harms to, like, these sex workers, right? You know, they're like, you know, we're not going to exploit them. You know, we refuse, <clears throat> excuse me, we refuse to, like, you know, just use them as, you know, to get our health back up and, like, abuse them and harm them and, you know, you know subject them to, like, all this violence. So they were intentional about, like, when black and brown women were present in the games that there was always, like, this ethics of care, like around, like making sure that they're taken care of, even though they were just characters. Right. Um, and that's why there's like so much, um, so much. So, you know, people always, you know, we get, um, Oh, let me tell you this story. Oh my goodness. So while, you know, we have, this is part of a blog piece that I'm writing. So there's going to be some more, I'm going to give you some, some pre, some exclusive content, some exclusive content here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, you know, we, we have, I've been part of, like, the generation that has asked for more diverse games, right? You know, behind the charge of, like, Tanya DePass, you know, supporting, you know, her work with the I Need Diverse Games, you know, and, and you know, supporting, you know, you know black, ga- black girl gamers and, you know, making sure that there's more inclusivity and more visibility, like, for black women in the games. One of the things that we have to contend with is, like, okay, what is happening when black women are made visible in a game? I was playing Call of Duty, I was playing Warzone, and I unlocked the character Sid. Do you know Sid? The, the black woman that uh, I,
1: ju- I haven't played Warzone, So please, well, so, please tell me more.
2: Her. Well, I want you to just to Google her right quick. Sure. You know, she's just, she's one of the playable characters, right? It's one of the things that, you know, a black and brown women have been asking, you know, for instance, like, can we have more, more black women and not, not just ambiguous women, right? You know, you can give us like that ambiguous brown woman that, you know, she's like the everybody's woman, right? You know, so, yeah. so Puerto Rican women can connect to her, biracial women can connect to her, South Asian women can connect to her. You know, you have all these populations, and that that's fine, right? You know, we're not upset at that. You know, we realize that, you know, we often won't have, like, our cultures, like, represented, right? So, you know, shout-outs to, like, Overwatch, for for instance, for, you know, featuring, like, all these brown women, right? You know, there's there's a, v- a variety of brown women. So, you know, always, you know, get props to Overwatch, like, for that. Um, but whenever I was playing, like, Call of Duty, I got really excited. I was like, oh, my gosh, I get to play a black woman, like, I think for, like, the first time, like, ever, like, with, with, this, call, with this Call of Duty. And then... <laughs> Oh my gosh, it's it's, it's 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 really hard to say. I had to also accept the fact that there were going to be extreme levels of violence, yeah, brought down on her body. There was like a moment where she was, oh gosh, like an RPG like hit her, and then her body was just, and then I had to like look at her for a second, you know, like there was like a cutscene of where she was just like dead and her, and I was like, and and I felt bad. So this is like a weird thing, right? like, I felt bad. I'm like, you know, here I've been, what have I actually been asking for? What have we collectively been asking for? Because the nature of like these games is like so violent. And so we're, we're really asking for more, more bodies, more of our bodies, so, uh, because, think, you know, black women experience like, you know, disproportionate amounts of like violence anyway. And then here we are wanting them to be inside this gaming space and subjecting them to like even more minds. I don't, I don't place it anymore. I refuse yeah. to play C anymore. I play the white dudes in the game. I'm like and here I am, like this is like a total total three sixty, right? You know, I'm like here and, and like it's and and I have there's I have no humor lens on this like at all. There's nothing funny about this my mom laughing. But it really made me reach like a point where I was just like like sad for gaming. I'm like, you know, we really have like, you know, because of like all like the violence it just I think that that violence was like just made real when I saw it being done to like to this black woman in this game and I just yeah. I didn't want to be I didn't want to do that anymore I didn't want to be a part of it now that's not saying like I, I don't devalue like white men's lives I'm like you know I'd rather just see the white guys get shot but that's something that like we're used to right <laughs> you know I, I'm, we're used to that you know because they have always been present in like all these games especially like in these military shooters you know this is like the body that we, we've been seeing and even like in the movies that we watch you know that's the, that's like the thing it's so I was like, you know what? I'm gonna let them just let white men have this narrative. I'm not gonna complain ever again because I don't want any more women of color being like a part of this. Um, I, and I so so I think, but but there was like a moment where we were like laughing. I remember we were in a game and we were all playing as like black women, and then we were like, we at the point we're like, man, fuck this. We ain't doing this no more. We don't want to see her being killed. You know, we didn't want to. I'm so sorry. I'm cursing too. I'm so sorry. No, it's fine. I'm so sorry don't like worry about it. That. Um. <laughs> Well, there was really like a point where we were like, we, we can't do this, but that also illustrated like the point of why diversity is so necessary. You know, we we're like, why can't we do like have some amazing fantasy adventure where, of where, you know, the violence like isn't there, you know? um. And so I think that was, the, but, but of course we don't come to the space because of the content, but for the most part, most of us don't go because of the content that we see on the screen. We're going into these spaces for one another and to de- and to develop and to continue to sa- sustain these communities uh, for 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 each other. Yeah, I, I'm gonna stop there so you can think about what your next question might be.
1: No, I th- I think that's a wonderful way to look at it, and obviously, y- you laughing about it just goes back to your point of like the humor is outside of the game. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. it's in how we react to the stuff that's inside. But it also made me think that I I think you're absolutely right. Like I can't think of an instance of like a very diverse experience in a game that is intended to be humorous. Like maybe, maybe even more than mainstream AAA, like action or fantasy titles. Yeah. Those are even more lacking in any representation. Right. That's meaningful.
2: Right. Right. I I mean, I've really, I have wrecked my brain really trying to think of something and trying to think of like different kinds of examples, but it's, it hasn't, I think the humor uh, for humor, you know, when you think about, I think that one of your questions you, you talked about, you know, what are, like, the characteristics of, like, what makes, like, of what, of what how humor works, like, in games. And I think um, most of them had animals were present. Like, you're playing, like, crazy things that just happening to animals. So, like you said, the the goose, the untitled goose game and then goat simulator. Um, oh, there's another, like, funny game. Do you all know that the screaming, the screaming shopper, shoppers scream, or let me look that up. I <laughs> scream. it's okay it's okay don't worry about it don't worry about it
1: I, I feel like i'm learning so much right now so
2: oh what is that so it's like a game where you're in a shopping cart and it's like supermarket sweep but we're just like we're just screaming and i feel like those are human characters I,
1: I found it is it is it supermarket shriek
2: let me see supermarket shriek <laughs> God. Yes, look at look at some of the content. But look, there's a goat. Look, you see the goat? There's a game, there's a there's an animal in there. And that animal is is it's hilarious. Play yes, play some of that. Play, yeah. play some of that. <laughs> you have to see it. The game is crazy as hell. It's crazy as hell, but it's so funny. It's so funny.
1: Yeah. But it it really does seem like the only kinds of games that are like I think commonly recognized by a lot of the people we talk to as like funny or are these like trying to be as apolitical as possible? Like it's animals, like, yes. sure, like nothing can right. be an issue, but yeah, I'm sure if I got like a sheet of who made that game.
2: Yes. Eh. <laughs> we we already know. We know who's behind the game, right? We know yeah. who's behind the game. Um, you know, I'm thinking about Beatdown down treachery city. Let me look at that. Cause that's, he's a black content creator. Yeah. Well, let me look. Let me see. I haven't, his game is like, it's, it's like Streets of Rage. And so I don't, I don't even look at it as like, I wouldn't put it like in the realm of, of, um, let me see if I can see some of the uh, playthrough of it. Um, I wouldn't even put this like in a realm of, like, of humor, but it could be some of that just over the top, you know, poking fun of like 90s. 80s, 90s, you know, like New York, you know, the grimy city, gangs have taken over, and then you just have to, like, you know, you have to, like, save the day, so I wouldn't even put that in, like, a comedy realm, but it could be, it, you could read it as, like, a parody, though, yeah. you, know? you you could.
1: So, I, I did have a question, I, yeah. I think, because we've talked so much about, I think, like, the resistant or, like, the healing properties of humor, but it seems like that has that that's like met on the other side by like humor that is hurtful. Yeah, uh, that's in present a lot of games and maybe we don't we don't have to talk about this if we don't want to. Sure. But I'm just curious if if you feel like sort of people using humor as resistance is sort of a response to a lot of that hurtful stuff or like the sort of the punching down kind of humor.
2: Yeah. And and I think that's just, that's maybe, like, a normal, like, defense mechanism, you know, that might be part of, like, the normal human condition of, like, you know, all these things are happening to you and you have to respond, like, in some way. And, you know, one of the ways to respond, it could be that humor. But we also have to think about, you know, where the pathways to humor comes from, like, for, for Black people, like, in particular. You know, humor has, like, direct lineage to, you know, I'm thinking about like for the, for the United States context, of course, you know, all roads lead to the plantation. You know, that's what I always say, you know. Um, so if you think about even like, I don't know if you've heard of this concept called the dozens. Have you ever heard of the dozens?
1: Uh, no, a, I haven't. It's
2: okay if you haven't. It. It's okay. It's very specific to like, you know, the black culture and the black community. Well, the dozens is basically the practice of trashing, trash talk, joning, riding each other, like basically like put, put downs. Like, so putting mm-hmm. somebody down, like, based on some aspect of, like, their physical appearance or what they're wearing or what they have on. Well, you know, reading, you know, of course, because I've, I've, you know, I'm not a historian, but, you know, a lot of my work, you know, I really have to, we have to look at the historical legacies that, you know, make some of our current realities, like, possible, right? So one of the things that, that I found out um, was, that, uh, um, was that the dozens was reflected on, in the practice of, like, selling slaves. So slaves, were are often sold by the 12s. And so whenever they were like on, on the, on the block, on the block to be sold, a lot of them would put down each other to, to increase their chances of being sold. So they would talk about like, oh, like, like Bubba has a limp or look at his clothes or he did, you know, they, so I I learned that there was like this practice of like writing and joning on one another because they just they want it to be sold. And I, I thought that was like, I didn't know what to do with that. Right. So here yeah. we have like these rich legacies and these rich tradi- traditions of like of like humor and comedy. And then they had such a sad, tragic past and a sad, tragic origin story. Right. Of like people who just wanted to want it to want it to be owned and want it to belong and wanted to just have like a place you know so and i th- i thought you know when i learned that you know that was just like like so heartbreaking but i but i also but you know that's not just the, like the only story you know there were also like the times the moments where um where uh even like on the plantation that humor was used as like a way to like escape the realities of of like of like the plantation as well, so the cracking and joning then became like a normal part of like let's just laugh to get like through the day, you know so I think you know what, uh, uncovering a lot of that really just like illustrated just how how central humor and comedy is, so whereas you know whenever I was just see like the the folks creating like this silly shit, you know I'm just like you know, I feel like that they are they are it's disrespectful to like the culture of humor and it's disrespectful to like what comedy like should and could be, you know what I'm saying? You know, that's why like a a game like goat simulator. I'm like, yeah, that's why I get so mad. I'm like, there's nothing else. There's nothing generative happening for me in this game. And there's nothing generative happening for any of these characters within this game, you know? Um, And I think that's why, you know, I don't, I don't, I I don't venture down like that, that, um, that, that rabbit hole of like, you know, funny games. Because they're funny only for a particular audience and they're, 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 they're catering to a particular population, like a population of people in a particular audience. I'm not the audience. People like me is not the audience. It's people who can go and play goat simulator and just be able to like, just disconnect like from your actual life because your life is not heavy. Your life is not full of like all this shit. So it's back to the, what we were talking about earlier, you know, it's like people who come from privilege. Are able to just sit there and talk about all the humor. People who have nothing going on can just sit and watch an episode of like Seinfeld. I watched an episode of Seinfeld one time. I'm like, what was happening? I watched an episode of Friends one time. Like nothing's happening. <laughs> like it was some of the most pointless things ever. And and I don't want to be like that because I don't want to diminish them because I know they they have significant you know weight within the culture. You know, but I really tried to watch Friends, you know, when, whenever, you know, people were talking, I think, I think it was when Friends went to Netflix or Hulu or something like that. I really tried to watch it and see what all the hoopla was about. I did, I did not get it. I tried to watch, you know, Wings and, and, and Seinfeld, like the whole genre of like 90s comedy, like all these TV shows. I yeah. didn't get it. And I had to just accept the fact, I'm like, you know what, I'm not the audience. And so, and I think that's the same way, you know, that I'm taking like, you know, a lot of humor, like the, the funny game genre I'm like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not the audience. This was not made for me. And I have to just accept that. Wow. <laughs>
1: I'm I'm like, I mean, I think you're totally right. I'm thinking about my folks, because uh, my family's from Eastern Europe, and yeah. they never got into North American stand-up. Like, mm. it, it just made no sense for them. Mm-hmm. And they showed me Romanian stand-up at one point, and it was a lot of people cracking jokes about, like, some really heavy, like... Oh state gosh. oppression stuff and what they were going through. And I was like, oh, like the stuff just doesn't speak to anything that matters to you. Like people Absolutely. who are complaining about like being stuck in traffic is not like important to you.
2: That's right. Yeah. That's right. No, that, that makes total sense. And nice. especially hearing that and, and, and again, it's, it's all about audience. You know, you like your people are speaking to like a particular audience. And so, you know, you, me hearing, of course, that's what you know Roman- what romanian stand-ups will be talking about you know like the the political issues that are happening because they can't detangle they can't untangle themselves like from what that reality is that's powerful that's heavy stuff and then and then you also have to think about like you know folks who then want to like uh detach from that and so that's why you know like a lot of folks can engage in like the Seinfeld you know so I totally understand your parents wanted to watch Seinfeld because I'm thinking about you know what they might have been used to was like it's so heavy we escaped that you know, we don't want to go back to that. You know what I'm saying? And then yeah. so we just want to watch, you know, this dude being obnoxious on the screen for 30 minutes. You know, <laughs> I totally get it. I totally get that. And I, you know, I, I totally get it. And I have, I have sympathy for that. I, I, I can understand that. Absolutely.
1: I uh, just, I, I would never, I don't think I ever had like the language to to like properly break it down but the way you talked about it actually mm-hmm. like, makes sense for me finally so mm-hmm.
2: absolutely and that's why you know i don't talk about like people's preferences you know and that's why you know like like i understand you know so often you know a lot about like you know like other other white men that are in this space that you know just don't get it i'm like it's okay you know it's not it's not for it, it will be great if you got it but it's really not for you to get you know there's nothing to get you know and i, I think that's um um and i think I think that's why it's so hard to like do some of this like like this anti-racist work and to try to like you know mobilize people as allies and try to get folks like comrades you know you know because this like this is like some of this is just like embedded into the core of like of whiteness some of this is just embedded into the core of like white masculinity that there's no way to like fathom the experiences of people that you have been complicit in like oppressing like there's there's no there's there's no way like we would really have to have I'm like a complete do-over like I don't know how we're gonna train away these kinds of biases and train away you know people's like this cognitive dissonance that people have had to not understand you know what what the, what the black experience might be or what women might be going through in like the gaming industry and you know so I think that's that it's it's one of those sorry my kids are being loud you're right. sorry Ch- children keep it down <laughs> <laughs> so and, and I think it's okay and some of us you know I, I, I'm okay with somebody that wanted me to like be a part of like you know anti-racism, like, training for, uh, for, like, for, for somebody, and I'm, like, you know what, there's, there's no way that we could train away this kind of thinking, you know, that has just been at the core of, like, who we are, at the core of our nation, of our nations, and, like, you know, embedded in, like, the core of who we are, like, in these Western cultures, so, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I'm sorry. This is supposed to be funny, and we're supposed to be laughing.
1: No, I I, I mean, <laughs>
2: I'm honestly, sorry, Andre.
1: No, th- this has been amazing, and it, it, this doesn't have to be funny. I mean, we're talking about how funny things work, and I think like one of the things that kept coming up in other interviews, and maybe this will be like, I, I don't want to keep you more than we we signed you, you on for. Oh, sure. um was a lot of people talking about like the 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 word like it it's just a joke, right? Or it's just a game. And this idea of like being able to separate all this stuff from like their daily lived experience, it just kept coming up. And now I'm like, yeah, maybe maybe that's a hundred percent like rooted in cultural and like uh, political factors that like you get to do that or I get to do that, but not everyone does.
2: Yeah, right. it makes me it makes me think about a conversation. Well, not a conversation I had, but it was a, it was an article that I read. Um whereas um there was somebody talking about um what was the game? Uh Dead Island. Hold on, let me, let me get the game first. Dead Island, maybe that's it. It's
1: like a zombie game on a
2: Yes, Dead Island. There was okay, I wrote about this. Um there is a character, a black woman. I think her name is Perna. I want to make sure to say her name right. I believe her name is Perna Jackson. Yes, Perna Jackson. Uh, so Perna Jackson, you know, she's kind of like an ambiguous brown woman, right? So, you know, we all can can connect to her. You know, she's like one, she could check on multiple boxes, right? We don't, she could be biracial. She could be a light-skinned black woman. You know, she could be a Puerto Rican woman. She could be a Dominican, like she could be, uh, she could be South Asian. You know, she kind of even looks like Kamala Harris. You know, she could look like anybody, right? Yes. Um, there were, there was some code that was built around one of her special abilities, and that code was called feminist whore. Now this is like the ability that she she gets and that she is um i don't know I think she has like a, a moment where she can just she's like she, she's able to like deflect like attacks and uh her health doesn't go down but but it basically it was basically like her an, an, um like a special move in the game. And the people who created this game, you know, called this feminist whore, right? Now, the company, Tickland, I think this is the company that was behind, like, you know, that, that part of the game. They basically said, you know, no offense is intended, right? We didn't, we didn't mean to be offensive. Uh, we think that the person who was like developing the code, you know, just thought this was funny because you know here here it is like this woman you know has the skill set where she can't be killed and she nothing can hurt her no man can hurt her right and then of course you know we have to like root this under this narrative of like oh well she's like she's a feminist whore right because she's not she's not vulnerable she's not she's not penetrable right and i just think back through i'm like of course you know me i'm not i i i won't just allow that excuse to just go like oh it's just the game you know you know we shouldn't take it that seriously I had to, like, immediately think about, you know, how does this person then view, like, women in his life, right? How does he actually view and see, like, feminists, like, in the world? You know, how does he actually what – what does he actually think about, like, women with the Me Too movement? What does he actually think about, like, all these things that are, like, happening, like, in the world, right? And to me, what I took from that was, like, here's this person – that of course was it was probably a gamer gator. You know, he probably right. You know, probably loves gamer game. oh Yeah, you know, it's like probably just like like this person who you know. How dare this woman be stronger than me? How dare this woman you know be in this space and think that she you know is equal to me? You know, you know what I'm saying? Like just like that that kind of yeah. thinking. Like you know to to have to to put that term with a skill set in a game, right? Whereas we wouldn't have fought twice if Perna Jackson was Paul Jackson, right? We wouldn't have thought twice about, you know, like of course he's this strong. Of course he's impervious to so like harm and pain. Of course, you know, he won't he won't be subject to, to anything. Of course he's got this skill set. But with Perna, you know, with, with this with this black woman, you know, we had to he created the person who developed this code and called that particular narrative like feminist four. He created this additional narrative you know, of like, you know, the only way to like reach this, you know, is if you, is if this woman has purged herself of like all men and you reach the status of like, you know, you're not vulnerable, you know, we don't have control over you anymore yeah you know so i think and that's like whenever i take that into like the classroom you know i make students have to like unpack that just what's the thinking you know behind something you know whereas people just want us to see this is just a video game but i'm like no that these things are embedded into the actual core and with with the example of dead island and perna it was literally embedded into like the core uh, of the game so we have we have to talk about it we can't we can't ignore it did that did that answer your question i don't
1: know i think think so i i think that's like a pretty good indictment of anyone who's like this stuff isn't serious because it's part of a game well mm-hmm. no it is because it hurts people and uh it, it right perpetuates stereotypes and
2: absolutely and i could care less about what somebody's intentions are you know i hate young know, people are always like well they're not racist i know the people who made this game Keishana, they're not racist i don't i don't care what their intentions are i care about the impact I care about the impact I and mean, like what actually happened when this game was deployed and how people actually like en- engage with that game. You know, I'm not, and that, that, and that, that, that's, that also like lets me like engage in these conversations. You know, I'm not trying to take a be- take away anybody's like right to uh, right to create the content that they want in the game. I'm like, you're, you're, you do what you want. And I'm going to do what I want on this side of it too. Just, just know that I'm going to talk shit about your game on this. Side. <laughs> that's what I'm going to do.
1: Yeah, (laughs) totally deserved too. So
2: absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Other questions? Anything else? I
1: I mean, I think we, in one way or another, we covered pretty much that I everything that, like, we put into the, sort of questions that we prepped. Okay. Uh, Will you have enough
2: content? Will this give you enough content? Oh yeah. (laughs) Okay. Oh, I just wanted to make sure that Um, I wanted to make something because I I know I I came at it from a very non-traditional way. You know. No.
1: I think that's better. Uh, often, okay. like, these, you know, question formats might be a bit, like, stunted. Because, like, I, I, I'm i asking stuff and I'm like, yeah, have you thought about this? But I, th- okay. this was fantastic. Okay. I, I Do you want to give a chance to Mark or
0: Scott if they have anything? Because they've, they've been muted. Like,
2: Oh, yeah, know. absolutely, absolutely.
0: I, I have actually kind of two questions. Uh, If that's okay. Do you have time though? I don't want to. I do.
2: I do. Absolutely. Go ahead.
0: Uh, First off, thank you so much. This has been incredible just to hear your thoughts, but also for just the time to talk to you. Uh uh so thank you for that right away. Um but I just was wondering you kinda touched on this already, but I was wondering if you can maybe lay it out a little more clear just for if we put it in the podcast. Um you've mentioned humor in a lot of other media genres such as television or film Mm -hmm. or just stand-up comedy. Uh how do you think those genres compare to games as a genre? Like what affordances do games have around humor in -hmm. in this regard compared to something like a TV show or a stand-up comedian?
2: Absolutely, I appreciate the question. So I look at, um, so games for me are more of like a microcosm of of the larger media infrastructure, right? So there's like a larger like media ecology, right? So, you know, I, I think that a lot of them, you know, a lot of these games draw their inspirations, you know, from, you know, Hollywood. So if you think about like the games from like, like the 90s, you know, those some of those were like direct reflections even of um, of like, you know, the uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme kind of era, you know, like the fighting era, you know, a lot of the martial arts kind of like era, you know, so I, I think I think it's important that we don't, we don't put games like on an island, like where they're by themselves, right? you know, I think we have to like look at them as like just an extension of of like, you know, these hegemonic structures that are still deploying like particular kind of messages, right? So, and, and while, you know, I did, you know, spend like a lot of time, you know, talking about, you know, I, I, know I you know, did talk a lot about TV and, you know, film and all those kinds of things, um, but that's because video games have been trying to mimic that reality also. So I've been thinking about like a cinematic trailer, thinking about the experience of like a cinematic trailer, like of what they're trying to do to draw like an audience in. They're not trying to distinguish them. You know, video games aren't trying to, like, distinguish themselves from, like, movies and blockbusters. They're wanting to replicate. Like, this experience is going to be just like a blockbuster hit, right? Um, I mean, like, the Far Cry. Think about, like, the the experience of the Far Cry trailers. You know, there are always, like, these over-the-top, like, blockbuster kinds of, like, of, of experiences. So what I wanted to do, like, with my conversation is just put gaming within a conversation of, like, these other mediated outlets, right? And that's also, like, important for me because I spend a lot of my time trying to justify the significance of video games to, to academics who think that games don't matter or think that, you know, like, what's happening in the gaming space is just like child's play or thinks that that's just something, like, for kids, so it's always important for me to, like, draw, like, those, those connections and draw, like, the nodes between, like, film and, and, and cinema, you know, to, like, to, like gaming, right? Um, but I also think that there are, yes, there are some, some distinct things that are happening, like, within, within gaming, like, as well, right? So, you know, it will be good. I'm not sure if you are going to do this, like, with the podcast, but just to create, like, a list of, like, all, like, I I don't know if there's, like, even, like, a list of, like, you know, the funniest video games ever made. Like, I mean, they may exist, but I think, you know, you all could, like, start to, like, develop and build that archive. And especially talk about, like, why people think that they are funny, and why people think that they're humorous, right? And I also think it's going to be important to, like, contend with, like, you know, there's, like, a particular, there's a a particular narrative uh, attached to, you know, what what folks, like, find of humorous, like and, and funny as well, you know. So I, we, we can't like you know untangle you know those those realities um, either. Um, so I'm even thinking about you know the games like the Supermarket Shriek or you know like Goat Simulator. You know I would put them like like in a category with like like for instance, like national lampoons and you know like all like those kinds of like they would they would fit they would be in that genre. You know, so if I were to continue to like like make those like connections. I would say, because think about it, like when we're watching National Lampoons, it's just like all this over the top stuff happening. Right. And, you know, you have like, you know, a, wh- a white dude bruh doing white dude bruh things, you know, and then like and then he ends up like, you know, unscathed at the end of this. And think about it, he's just like re- wreaked havoc on like people's lives. Right. I mean, that, yeah. that's that's the template, you know, and, and that's that's the kind of thing. So think about the damn and goat simulator. He's wreaking <laughs> havoc on these cities, and these towns and in these people's lives um you know so i think that there's like you know something you know we we, i just want to make like those connections because i want people to take like gaming the (laughs) The goat was chimmy chase all along (laughs) i'm dying we gotta make sure the goat was Chevy chase all along absolutely um but i think you know i'm just trying to like make those just trying to make those kinds of connections, you know, and, and that's why I invoked, you know, the other, other forms of media, um, you know, just to, just to show that, you know, just to show the connections between all of them and also so academics to take games more seriously too
0: that's yeah, great uh fantastic thank you uh, and then the, uh, the, sorry i'm just laughing at the Jeremy Pace comment. Uh, and this the, the second question i have is um you kind of mentioned how important humor is for like the collective experience the community experience and so i, I know that like the audience includes like the single player experience but Uh, a lot of what you've talked about is like how important humor is from a community perspective or like the group of players playing a game. So is there kind of a difference in how you see like a single player game experience versus like a collective experience and how you've been discussing humor?
2: Mm. You know, I haven't really thought that much about, about that, right. About from the single player experience to the multiplayer like experience, because I'm I'm even thinking about, you know, like the, the populations of people, like communities that I follow, even, even a single, the, the single mole, like the single player game is made collective and it's made communal by their own practices. Right. So I'm, I'm just thinking about like, um, for instance, like a ghost, 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 uh, Shimi. I, I hope I mm. didn't pronounce it. I always feel like I'm going to mispronounce that um, with that beautiful game, that beautiful, awesome, you know, single player kind of game. I'm thinking about, you know, these group of people who get into like these party chats and they all play together, right? They're figuring out, you know, how to get like to like the other side of the map. They're trying to figure out where all these symbols mean. They're trying to figure out like what the larger meaning behind the game you know when the game you know gives you stuff so i'm just thinking about like even even though you know the the people who made that game you know was very much created to be like a single player like experience like so many people still make it like communal because they want to be together like they, they don't want to be isolated you know from one another right and i know ghost is not it's not that's not a comedy but i'm just using that as an example to show that like for the most part the people who have um you know and all back to like culture so the people who have like a uh, the that communal engagement as a core of their cultures, which is heavily, you know, what what African African American folks do, you know, what what um you know Mexican Americans Mexican Mexican American folks do, you know, Puerto R- like Black and Brown folks, you know, have heavily their their communities are uh, their communal like at the core of them, and they are translating a lot of that into like the gaming space. And I'm not saying that's the universal experience. So all Black folks aren't trying to make community. I'm not I'm not saying that either. But I'm just saying that that even though even when the games you know try to force us into like this single this like singular kind of like individual kind of like narrative like a lot of folks still come together and they're still like collective like around these games you know of helping each other you know coming up like with different like strategies i'm even thinking about like the strategy guide era like for instance hitman oh my gosh i remember early in the, in the days of like dissertation like work you know um the stra- strategy guide was going to be like a part of it but you know people just kind of gave gave because you to people don't need strategy guides anymore but the strategy guides were so important so you would have one person that would like buy the strategy guide there's this group of group of gamers where they would mail the strategy guides to like one another so they all could like take part and they all could like you know have their own like experience like with hitman right you know because the one way somebody played would be like a totally different way that somebody else played so that's just like another like example of like just the communal nature of how like a lot of these folks that I've experienced have you know like they they see themselves like within gaming they don't see them as like you know, individual users of these gaming technologies, they see themselves as, like, a part of a community and, like, part of, like, more of, like, a, a collective, um more of a collective, you know, engaging in a lot of this stuff. I hope that answered. Uh, yeah, no, that,
0: that does. um Okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it's fantastic. I've been thinking a lot about, okay. like, cultural literacies around in connecting it to digital literacies looking at games is kind of a, a through line there and so just for me in my own work that's a really interesting thing to think about so thank you
2: absolutely absolutely
0: um i'm good with my extra questions um but once again thank you for your time but i'll let andre kind of finish off okay uh, awesome oh, i'm back
2: Yay! <laughs>
0: i didn't leave but um, uh no, this has
1: been amazing uh, okay Top, top, top interview I've ever done anyways, so...
2: (laughs) Yay, that makes me so happy.
1: Uh, I wonder, before we break, Mm -hmm. I just wanted to ask maybe if there was a question you would have wanted us to ask you that we didn't, or something that you'd like to ask us or to bring up now, because I always Um, feel like we miss stuff.
2: Oh, goodness. Well usually you know because it doesn't matter what your questions are i'm gonna talk how i want to talk and i'm gonna break up the things i want to do and so and i did that and thank you for giving me the space to be able to do that so i don't have anything there's there's nothing additional that i that i would have wanted I, I, I put it all out there i promise
0: that was our interview with dr Kishona gray thanks again to the tag lab for supporting the series and thanks to you for listening